morning, and Happy New Year to all of you, 2023, and may God's grace and mercy be with you throughout this new year as we begin it. It's, uh, it's a great to be starting a new year in church, and um, my, first of all, my name is Gary Arnold, in case you don't know me or visiting. I'm filling in for Pastor Jeff on this beautiful New Year's Day, and since it is the New Year, I thought I would start, I uh, would speak on the Bible verse that the Moravian Brethren have chosen for this year, which is, let me find it. Let me get back to the beginning. You are the God who sees me. In case you don't know it, the Moravian Brethren, also known as Herrenhuten, uh, Rudergemeinde in Germany, they have each year uh, a collection of Bible verses for each day of the year to, to act as a watchword for that day for you. And it's, they have, every, each year they have a new, a new set of them, and they also have a, a Bible verse for the whole year that covers the whole year. And this year happens to be from Genesis chapter 16, verse 13, which is, you are the God who sees me. A great word of, of comfort and to give strength, encouragement, and help to carry us through the new year. I would like to look at this verse with you today in, uh, from three different views. From a specific view from a grand view and from a, a personal view. The main theme of this watchword is, in all three of these views, is there is a God who sees and has sees the affliction of the afflicted and has mercy and compassion on them. He's a God who takes personal interest in the troubles of individuals. And the question then is, how will each individual respond? First of all, the specific view. The specific view is one of a specific person at a specific time in a specific place. This person is Hagar. She's an Egyptian maidservant who belongs to Sarah, the wife of the great patriarch of the Bible, Abraham. And Hagar is first mentioned in Genesis chapter 16, a chapter that begins with difficulty, with the difficulty of Abraham and Sarah waiting for God's promised heir. Where we read in previous chapters to this, Sarah is barren, has no children. And also, God has promised Abraham descendants that would be no, so numerous as the stars of the heavens. And here's where Hagar comes in. When you read this, this chapter, you see they've They've been in the land of Canaan now. They've waited 10 years. And now they bring, now Hagar is brought into the story, a solution to a childless problem, which may have seemed right, but we know from the, the book of Proverbs, there's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end there are the ways of death. So Hagar is, is brought in sort of as a, a sort of a surrogate mother. And if, as you read this, Sarah gives Hagar to Abraham, 
with his consent, of course, he goes in unto her and she conceived a child. Looks like all would be well then. This problem would be solved. But of course, this is just the beginning of, of further troubles that are generated in this situation. If not, continue waiting on God. Hagar begins to despise Sarah, her, her master. You can imagine how this, how this plays out. Uh, young, beautiful Egyptian uh, maidservant. Now she's carrying the child that that's Sarah couldn't carry. She's been given more, maybe more attention to her than, uh, from Abraham. And this, of course, this is, maybe this isn't said, but some things are, are said that without words. So, of course, this in turn generates tension and trouble in the marriage of Sarah and Abraham. Sarah begins to blame Abraham for the, for the trouble that she's having with Hagar, and it looks as though Abraham gets mad and, yeah, she's your servant. Do with her with you, what you please. And then we read in, in the following verses that Sarah begins to, to treat uh, Hagar with, uh, harshly, so harshly that she sees no other way out than to run from this terrible situation. And although Hagar entered this situation by no fault of her own, she didn't remain through her behavior and actions, uh, remain faultless. And now she's on the run, pregnant and in the desert. Great combination for a tragic end. And here's where the, the story of Hagar could have ended, but for God it did not. He intervened. He had pity and showed her great mercy and compassion. And I would like to take up this uh, uh, narrative in uh, Genesis chapter 16 right now. If you have your Bibles, uh, uh, looking at verse 7 and 8, I have also the verses here on the screen. And now the angel of the Lord found there by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. We see in this, in this verse, uh, these, these verses here, something uh, very thought-provoking. Thought where are you coming from, and where are you going to? This could be a question to anyone looking for the meaning of their life after it's been turned upside down or inside out. And even as we begin this new year, you could also think of this of yourself as this turning point of time. Where have I come from, and where am I going? So it's a very thought-provoking question. Then the angel of the Lord goes on. He says to her, return to your mistress. Submit yourself under her hand. And this is a very uh, humbling demand that the angel of the Lord makes upon Hagar. Return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. Turning is essential, essential, 
is the essence of, of uh, repentance. And submission is the essence of obedience, and faith is, is essential to obey the gospel. So we see this, this, this very humbling command. Go back to your go back to Sarah's and treat go back to the situation that you just ran away from. And this is uh, this may seem hard, but uh, this goes on to he goes on to say in verse in verse ten, and the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly, so that they shall not be counted for multitude. We see that obedience brings blessing from this verse. It's a great spiritual uh, principle. Obedience brings blessing. Obeying God's word, obeying what God tells you to do will bring his blessing. And this is what we see, see in this verse. Then he goes on to, to tell her even more about, about this. The angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son, you shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has heard your affliction. He shall be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. In this verse, we see an awesome prophecy. And this prophecy is, is being fulfilled uh, before eyes in our time. If you think of of the nation of Israel in the land of Palestine now, the Arabic nations, which are the descendants of Ishmael. You see this being played out. Of course, fulfilled prophecy is proof of the divine inspiration of the scriptures. Why, 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 why do we hold this Bible, this, the scriptures up so high? Because it's divinely inspired. And, pro and prophecy, fulfilled prophecy is a proof of this. Then we go on to see Hagar's response. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke with her. This is very interesting if, if you know uh, uh, about the, the capital letters of the, when it says the Lord in the, in the Old Testament. This re represents uh, the, the name of the of, of Jehovah or Yahweh, no one's really sure how the name should be pronounced. And I think the people that, that maybe know how to pronounce it, they would be in the fear of God to pronounce it. And she says, you are the God who sees. For she said, I also here have seen him who sees me. Here, Hagar recognizes the living God who sees her in her distress, in her situation, her trouble, and also gives her direction. He intervenes. And this is the, this is the main theme of, of this verse. God is intervening. Intervening in, 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 in Hagar's life here. And she recognizes this and calls upon his name here. And of course, the place is, the next verse tells us the name of the place. Oh yeah, this is a great, very great confession by Hagar. Uh, when, when looking at this here, it's a it's a confession that, that recognizes this that that she uh, recognizes the God who sees her personally. 
let's see, uh, uh, next verse we read, therefore the well was called Bir Lahairoi. Observe it is between Kadesh and Bered. And Bir Lahairoi means well of the, of the one who lives and sees me. It's a very personal meaning place with God. This is a, a place where she uh, met, personally met God. And was, when we can, when, we, when you look at the rest of the chapter, the last two verses, she obeyed him. She goes back to Sarah. She bears the child. And this uh, reminds me of a, another account, incidentally, of the, in the New Testament, where the Lord Jesus meets a Samaritan woman at the well. Not, not this well, but at another well in Samaria. And this could have been called for the Samaritan woman also, Bir Lahairoi, a place, a personal place where she met God. Which, this brings me to the next point, the grand view. In the grand view, from this view, we see how God sees very much on a greater scale than that of Hagar. Down through the ages and to all the ends of the earth, God has seen and still does see the peril, the affliction of Adam's race. For by the disobedience of one man, Adam, the whole human race and the world with it has been plummeted into the greatest downfall that could ever be imagined. According to the New Testament in the book of Romans, wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. And although the, by the offense of one, judgment came upon all to condemnation, God, who is rich in mercy, and because of his great love, intervened. He sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into a lost and dying world to redeem and to save it. I think there's one verse that, that conveys this uh, thought, conveys this more than any other, and that, of course, is John 3.16, a very familiar verse, but a very uh, important verse, for it conveys a, a lot of the, 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 the seed of the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God intervened. And we, we see that, um, that he has showed his mercy and his grace toward the whole world. It's like, it'd be like we are uh, being in the desert, on the run, dying of thirst, and then being found God, by God in the desert, the God that sees you dying of thirst and lost in the desert, and he invites you. He gives, an, he gives a great invitation. Come, let him who thirsts come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of the life freely. Beer Lahiroi. The well of the one who lives and sees me is now open to all through the grace of God through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And this, of course, brings me to the third view, which is the personal view. You personally must recognize your spiritual need, your hopelessness, and then choose to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. Just as Hagar recognized God who saw her in, uh, who saw her, in her distress and trusted him, so must you also believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The scriptures also tell us God is long-suffering toward us in that not, that not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Just as Hagar recognized God and saw uh, and, and turn, returned to Sarai, so must we turn to God and personally believe on his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are told from the Gospel of John, as many as received him, to them gave he power or the right, the authority to become children of God to those that believe in his name, who were born not of blood, that is, not of, not of Adam, not of Adam's lineage, nor the will of the flesh. It doesn't matter how much willpower you have, how much will to do right and to do things that are correct you have. It will not bring forth this, this birth or the will of man. It doesn't matter what religion, what philosophy, what branch of science there is, it cannot bring forth this, this birth, for, it, for it, is, it is of God. As, as the Lord Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born, born again. Speaking uh, sort of uh, uh, in a, a, a metaphorical sense, you personally must drink from the water of, of Beer Lahairoi to be saved from dying in the wilderness and to be set on the way to the city of God. And this is, a, this is an essential thing. This God has seen each one of us in the world at, this, at, uh, at a dying in desperate place and intervened through his son. And if you, if you have, as, even as as Hagar, she responded. She went back to Sarah. And if you, if you have, this, sometimes the situation doesn't change. Hagar went back into the same situation she ran from, but now she runs back with God. If you have truly trusted on the Lord Jesus Christ, the saving of your soul, you've passed from death unto life. As we read in the Gospel, in the gospel of, the verse in the Gospel of John, You've been given a new standing with God as his legal child. This is something greater than Hagar didn't have. When Hagar went back to Sarai, she went back as, still as a maidservant. But if we turn to, to God and personally believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, we have this, this promise of being one of his children. And we have... Uh, uh, the promise that he will go with us. We're on the journey of faith with the Lord himself who says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. This means whatever trial, whatever trouble that, that, or distress that you go through, he is with you. God doesn't abandon his children. 
you don't have to go it alone. This is a great, a great promise. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And on this road, on this road of, of this journey of, of faith, we'll find many difficulties, many distresses, many trials. I would remind you of, of something that's mentioned in the New Testament in the Romans chapter 8, which says, if God is for us, who can be against us? If he's for us, who, who then can stand against God to be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? That is, if he gave his son to die on the cross for our, for our sins, to die for, for our place, and rose again the third day to show the victory over death and sin and the grave, and to be with us, how much more then will he give us light when we sit in darkness? How much more will he give us mercy and grace in our time of need, strength in our weaknesses, comfort when we are suffering, encouragement in our disappointments and failures, and hope and faith in time of doubt? These things may not come in a way or manner that you're looking for, but this is why we must look to the God who see, sees us. Metaphorically speaking again, the well of the one who lives and sees me never dries up. It's always open to drink from. And I don't know what distress you're going through at this time in your life. And I don't know what... Uh, you or I shall face in this new year. But I do know that the one who lives and sees me is ever present. And I can always look to him, and you too, and say, you are the God who sees me. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, is thankful for this, this, this verse of encouragement for this year. Thankful that you are the God that that lives and sees us, that sees our situation, and you intervene. We look to you. Help us to re always to remember to, to seek you first in all of our blessings and our trials and tri uh, tribulations. We're thankful that you are a God that, that does intervene. We praise your name and praise the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.